besides the screen you spent most of your time staring at this week, chances are you are also captivated by a big screen video installation. From billboards to scoreboards, we inform and entertain audiences with our big screen solutions. Visit bigscreenvideo.com.au to see how BSV can bring your space to life. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. So a little late for Paul Roos would say. Here it is, the opening bounce. It's Brisbane against Richmond. It's going to flop in short. Revolts! Terrific fly to encapsulate so many games before. And in game 300, he lines up and slots an early goal. Now to the hot spot. Get in and leap after that. Injectors! The leap which has lasted his whole career serves him well again. Second goal on offer. And he's got it. And again, he'll keep his Tigers in it. Jack Revolt settled over the kick. Boots his third, strike up the bands. Mr. Brightside again, the ultimate passion player. He's kicked five. Jack Revolts with what might be the final kick of the night. He is on approach looking for goal number six, and Revolt has it. He has made this night his own. A towering display in a milestone game. Half a dozen for Jack as the champion qualities of the champs have stirred. Sorry about the sound and what a night for the Tigers. Their 2021 campaign is not dead yet and neither is Jack Revolt. Joyous scenes at Metricon Stadium. We might not be at the MCG, but every Tiger around the country is in full voice. In any weather you will see us with the grin. Well, it's been a challenging year for us, there's no doubt. You know, troops going in and out of the side, um, the inconsistency of the way we've been playing, but we felt on the track we've been um, putting some good work in and getting some good results. So we always knew there was going to be a little bit of a bag effect, but we're really happy with the way we went about it tonight. You know, I thought our intensity was was very good. You know, forward half game was up and about. And, um, you know, I thought we defended, especially after halftime, pretty well as well. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, the champs stir. Richmond snatches back a place in the eight as Jack Revolt turns in a command performance on a night to celebrate. Now, we need to get better uh, playing against those sorts of teams. Um, there's no doubt about that. And we've got to stop two weeks in a row now. We've let uh, opposition team have run-ons of goals, like there's five in the, in the third quarter. So we need to have a look at why that's happening. Uh, giving away too many inside 50. So there's a, there's a number of things to look at. I mean, we were looking a million dollars a few weeks ago when we beat Geelong and, uh, and then went over to Adelaide and played particularly well. But um, we've struggled a little bit since. So probably a normal part of uh, team life. Um, you want to win every week, but you can't. Uh, we've got to learn our lessons and, and uh, improve next week. Brisbane's place in the top four now vulnerable after back-to-back losses. How do the Lions solve the short-term problems to restore their premiership ambitions? 
Clearly then there's, there's emerging issues in Victoria today and that will have implications in, in, in just in an administrative sense this week. Out of an abundance of caution, all Victorian teams will be being tested uh, in additional tests this week. I think the, the text with confirmation of um, the flight time was sent after 10pm last night um, and everyone was required to be here uh, about 20 minutes ago. So, yeah, pretty, um, pretty quick turnarounds. Uh, we're prepared to be up here for three games. So to play the next three rounds up here, but also have the intention to get back to um, Victoria and Marvel Stadium as quick as we can. Yeah, this moved uh, pretty pretty quickly, Gary. Um, about nine o'clock, quarter past nine last night, was a, a conversation with with the AFL that um, uh, this is this is a possibility, and uh, and I guess you know we're playing the Giants clearly there in the, the same situation. So um, uh, both clubs agreed to move, and, and we're moving early this morning. Look, our expectation is that we'll be returning, that we'll play. Brisbane up there. Okay. The expectation is that we'll be returning and we'll be subject to the same conditions that the Victorian public will be sub- subjected to, although we will have a, a professional sporting exemption that allows us to train. Our expectation at this stage is that we'll play Geelong next weekend. You know, hopefully by then conditions have improved, but that's our expectation. And the COVID complications mount as the AFL deploys teams and shuffles the fixture to keep the home and away season on track. But how many moves are left to avoid checkmates? This is the round 18 edition of Crunch Time. Day two of the Melbourne lockdown and a spike in positive cases. It's 19 today. They are all linked for the moment. But the hope of five days... Well, that really really does does feel like wishful thinking in the extreme. Borders are closed, so options are limited, and the hope of keeping the home and away fixture on track, that's just not realistic. So round 19 and round 20 will need to be recast. It looks like round 18 will get away, and that is no small miracle in its own way. The work has been attempted at the moment and might become clear as the day unfolds, but it is fair to say that things are as complicated as they have been at any point. Jared Waitley with you on Crunch Time. Justin Leppich is with me. Lep up. If last week was time of death, last night was proof of one. <laughs> they're they're back still again. kicking the tides. They're back again. They've got a pulse again. Anytime you see Richmond and they're in the eight, even though they may not be by the end of this week uh, and the end of the round, it's quite, uh, it is quite nerve-wracking for all the other teams around. And they've got their game back and going a little bit. And we can talk about that a little bit more, I think, in a minute. When they put the live ladder up on the telly now, it should go... Dum, dum. <laughs> it's got a bit of that to it, hasn't yeah, it? it? Does. <laughs> you know. It does. Nick Del Santo, hello. A very good morning to everybody. A little bit of a Richmond reminder last night about what they are and who they could be. And still with a handful of plays out, and we'll speak about the injuries out of last night's game. And just when you were speaking about that, it, it reminds me of golf. And there's a significant golf tournament on at the moment. And a man by the same name, Tiger. And that feeling where you'd just be looking over your shoulder every now and then just to see the man who wears the red top on the Sunday, just to see how he's tracking, knowing you can just feel that pressure on those tiptoes right behind you. I'm just getting that feeling from a few clubs off the back of their performance last night at the Tigers. Yes, burying them six foot deep is not nearly no, enough. keep digging. <laughs> Craig Jennings rounds out our quartet. Hello, Geno. Great to be here, Jared. We talk about the look of the game on Thursdays in, in uh, analysing the game, Jared, and the first two minutes of Richmond just look, looks like it does when Richmond, when you saw forward handballs, knock-ons, smothers in the forward 50 by Lambert, 
Grimes intercepting at the 60-metre position and, and getting re-entries. But most importantly, they had their 10 and 2 crummers coming in hard and fast, which they could either crumb the ball or come in so fast that they can help defend it and lock it in. So good work, Richmond. It was a really interesting night as we tilted the ledger before the Lions had hit the front in the second quarter, they, they were coming. They led at halftime. They kicked the first goal of the third quarter. And in the feel of the game, I thought Richmond were on the brink in that five-minute period where if the Lions got the next one, it just had the hunch that a three-goal lead could have become a six-goal lead in no time. And that was when Richmond ferociously went to work. I, I think with the magnitude of the occasion and then the consequences of the result, and that was where you saw the determination of the players. And you could see it was personified in Damien Hardwick. Ten minutes to go in the third quarter, they get a 50-50 free kick against. And he's he's doing his best Chris Scott. He's out of his seat. <laughs> he's throwing everything everywhere. They were so engaged in what those moments meant. Yeah, I, I guess the, the Bomber Thompson ham sandwich was gone. Dimmer, for the last four seasons, he's been pretty relaxed in the box and even any mistakes, like, oh, that's okay. We don't make many of these. We'll get the next one. But, yeah, after the last few weeks' performance, it's funny how every contest matters, every umpiring decision matters, everything that goes on there that you start to ride the bumps of the game. And um, he was like that. He was very animated in the box. But uh, I, I think getting into the game itself – Brisbane were really dominant around the clearances, particularly the you know the centre clearances and scoring from that. So I thought the solution for Richmond at halftime was pretty simple. If they can tidy up that part of the game, which they did, and they end up outscoring Brisbane in the clearances um, in that second half of the game, the tu- their turnover game's back. It, mm. it really is. And it's and it's one thing that I think if you look at the, the numbers from a Richmond perspective, and this is the thing that will give you a few tremors, because if you look at the turnover game ladder, that looks a lot like the top eight. And they're still second in that, in the competition. So that's still a really good number for them. It's something they've built off. And Damien said it um, in his little grab right there. We've got our front half turnover game going again. So four goals this week, six goals last week from forward 50 as well. So they're really starting to get those little Richmond parts of the game back going again. So it is a bit of a worry for other teams when you see that. Uh, the couple of things that I loved out of last night's game, and we spoke about at half time what the Tigers need to do to get back uh, right in the ledger. So they were 18 to 5 in the second quarter from clearances alone. And I was with you, Jared. I thought if the Lions keep dominating this part of the game, and we've seen the Tigers of recent weeks get smashed, particularly at centre square bounce, which results in goals. We were seeing that in the first half in particular. I felt like you did. The Tigers were hanging by a thread, but there's something beautiful in the ability to, to change something in the moment of a game, not have to wait for a halftime break or not have to wait for a Monday to review to say, okay, next time we'll do this. This group analysed it and went out and changed it instantly and had a direct turnaround in, in clearances, but in particular the centre square clearances went, went a huge way to it. And you speak about that front half pressure, Leopard, which we all saw last night. And I heard Damien Hardwick speak last week about Ash Barty and channeling Ash Barty, who's clearly a, a big fan of the Tigers. He said... In that Wimbledon final, she chased down every ball. We, we want to be that sort of team that chases down everything and gives nothing. You have to get it past us if you're going to beat us today. And I just saw that last night. I thought their intent and their persistence to chase, even if they didn't think they were going to get there, I saw that in glimpses last week, but I definitely didn't see it in the Gold Coast Suns game. I thought last night was significantly different in their application and attitude to put pressure on the opposition. Yeah, they've talked. They've talked a good game. They have had all the right language of the, the champ in the corner. But last night, we actually got the actions What was to the match words it. that Jack Rewalt used on your program? Good, good luck playing yeah, us yep. in the next seven weeks. Well, that was last night. Those words ring true last night. Absolutely. 
it does make for a better seventh or eighth position on the ladder, doesn't it? If, if they come, you know, you're talking about the Jaws analogy, Jared. It makes it far more interesting than seventh and eighth just stumbling into the finals now. I don't usually talk about defence, but I'm really interested in your thoughts on this, <laughs> Lepa. So last time Brisbane played Richmond and they beat them, Nan Curvis, they had a great plan for him. So he usually gets deep into defence. And what Brisbane were able to do was block him out and just kick to the pocket and take him out of the game. I thought he was critical last night. I love the move of Rioli into defence. So, so creative. Did a great job on Cameron. Now, I know that you uh, you love those wing rolls to help your defenders Lepa, so Macintosh usually, but last night I thought Ross did a good job and you saw the same. Yeah, he filled in and did that job pretty well. It's actually, you shouldn't say it's an easy job, the winger, because you've actually got to run 150 metres. You have to chase the ball pretty much the whole time on the other side of the ground. So you're pretty much trying to mirror it. And I'll, I'll tell you what, the ball moves pretty quick, so you've got to run pretty fast. So Camden Macintosh has elite aerobic ability, and that's one thing that Jack Ross has developed in his game. Let's hope he can do it, because we're not sure how long Camden's going to be out for. It could be a, a small one, and maybe, maybe longer. But, um, but yeah, they, they need to fill that role. It's very important to the way the Tigers play. How important is Nian Curvis? And the role that he played last night, and off the back of that, we can speak about probably Oscar McInerney, who didn't have his best night, but I thought he had intent with his application at the ruck contest, but particularly around the ground. Like he was tackling to hurt people last night and probably pushed a little bit. Like, got to be a little bit careful with what we know with the sling tackle and the concussion, what can happen from that. But I just thought he was that big presence that a lot of guys fed off last night. Yeah, he always he always sort of touches the line, doesn't he, Toby, in that in that part of the game. But they need him to get up and go. Look, he's not the tap ruckman that you know most teams have in the competition, but he's the follow up guy. Yeah. He's the guy that really he's not many plays in the competition you could be physically scared of anymore. But I think he's one of them. Mumford and Mumford, are pretty yeah. aligned, aren't yeah. they? I, I love Ruckman and Dale. You're probably best to answer this. I just think we talk about in football. Don't worry about your own game. How can you make your teammate a better player? And I feel like great Ruckman allow the midfielders and everybody else just to walk that little bit taller they get it to ground and they support you and they're strong down the line well that's Mumford as well and I've used this term before they're accidentally on purpose sort of guys (laughs) that they're clumsy and they just throw their bodies in positions that they probably shouldn't be but they get away with it because they happen to be 6'6 and weigh 105 kegs but what we saw again from Nan Curvis is his ability around the ground he's a competitor and I don't know him like you do Leopard but I watch him and I think his greatest attribute is he never gives up and he'll give you everything he's got for those two hours every week. And what that does for the mids is they don't have to be always back shoulder and being a defensive midfielder, knowing that McInerney was probably going to get his hands on it. But you're right, his follow-up, his ability to clear space for other midfielders to come through and swoop through, and particularly when they're lighter frames, it gives them confidence, but also to have that security blanket that he is prepared to tackle and get dirty down at ground level. The, the one thing from Richmond, and you've touched on the stoppages, that, that's their manage for the rest of the season. I mentioned their turnover games as good as it's been. Um, but if you go into that game, Brisbane are, are plus two goals from stoppage uh, every week on, on average. They're AFL 2. Richmond are AFL 16. They're minus a goal a game from stoppage in general numbers. So they have to now, from that part, manage the stoppage. Well, what's a part of that? A good, tough ruckman, isn't it? Mm. That that will help you. And the other part that's an important part of it, which is the question I have, is you need a good defence that knows how to read the play, Jake Lever style. They haven't been able to get that part of the ground together. So my concern is, can Garthwaite, can Mansell, can Rioli, who's new to the position, hold up whilst Nick Vlostens <laughs> hasn't been around and Nathan Broad won't be there for a while? And I'm not even sure if Noah Bolt will get back at all. 
overall this season? That's the that's the real question for me because they have to manage those quick plays from stoppage. That's when your backs get exposed. So the trouble with a campaign like this is as troops return, you lose more troops. We've sort of seen this before. And last night, so it's Dustin Martin who's in hospital with a kidney injury. He doesn't yep. travel back with the team. And it's Camden McIntosh who's a hamstring and that looked for all the world like a three to four week base hamstring. So... There is a there's a cost to it. We revel with the Tigers a bit, and then you run the forecasting. Okay, so Lambert comes back, but you lose Dusty straight away, and you lose the damaging wing position, which is such a big part of their game. Okay, coach speak. All right, we've got a, we've got two <laughs> players here. We've got Camden, we've got Dustin. The old soldier in, soldier out. Which one is a soldier in, soldier out, and which one is irreplaceable? <laughs> you think in this, but or is it just no? Nah, Dusty's out. Soldier in, soldier out. Do you reckon anyone's got another Dustin Salt Martin soldier in there well, on their list? The other one, the flow from that is Lipper. How many players will put their hand up this week and say? I'll be the Dustin Martin role from now on, coach. Please pick me. And I'm looking at uh, Bolton instantly thinking, okay, you can be that man. You add him to the list of Lostom, Prestia, Edwards, Hawley, Bolter, Soldo and Broad. And now you're adding two more guys. And you speak about the Camden McIntosh role and how important that is. So you lose your number one winger, let's say, and you lose your superstar. So how long can you sit there and wait for the cavalry to, to come back and support you for the remainder of this campaign? So it feels like a campaign that they will have heroic moments – and then just the accumulation of it all will – they'll collapse under it and we'll all go, yep, fair enough. They absolutely, they raged against it for as long as was possible, but the circumstances will, will mount against them at the end. For the first time, I'm hearing Damien Hardwick talking about that their form has dropped off through the impact of players coming in and out of the team and it impacts your connection and your cohesion, which yep. we know is a big part of winning – Lepper. Was there any surprise last night, easy in hindsight, the week before they give up seven goals, two in the last quarter against the Pies and they have a handful of younger guys. Those younger guys go out of the team and this is no knock on them. This is just where they're at in their development. Yet last night, the Tigers were better in the last quarter, ran the game out better and performed better. Yeah, I think it's that, but we... But the last quarter of last week, the majority of those seven goals come from stoppage. I think it was five out of the seven come yep. from stoppage. So getting back to that stoppage number again, that's the number for me. That's the part of the game they've got to manage every week from this point on. And that's the one where it's a little bit more tight, a little bit more contested. Your backs are generally potentially more one-on-one in those in those times. So they have to really hang on and, and fight for grim death, I think, from stoppages from here forward. So then they can get on the outside. I love the look of Rioli when he's in space. Jaden Short, he wants the footy so much. He'd eat a footy if you told him to. He <laughs> loves it. So he's always running past, looking to, to drive. So they've got that part of their game okay. It's just a bit around the stoppage. So if you're Andrew McWalter, who's the midfield coach of the Tigers, and you're looking at that midfield group and you're saying, it's almost dependent on us. If we can manage this and say break even, we don't even have to win it anymore, as in the scores from clearances. Would you be tweaking things just to have a neutral result for two hours? Yeah, and some of the things you can do around stoppage to not make it a damaging stoppage. Centre square bounce is difficult, and we spoke last night about the sweeper, the guy behind, that's the goal side guy, that don't get sucked in too far. So if you do lose clearance, it's not coming really hard out the front. So what can you do to stop damaging clearances? Make sure you corral the opposition to the back. Uh, play an extra spare at a stoppage behind the ball. So if they do quick kick it, you've got an extra player there. Things like that, they're the sorts of strategies that Damien Hardwick might have to go to just to manage and not, not get the scoreboard impact against them in that part of the game. Mm. And then there's Jack, who we revel with. As good a performance mm. as we've ever seen in a player and from a player in his 300th game, this was his coach in the aftermath. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Um, I didn't even realise he kicked six until someone said this is for it. But, um, oh, it was terrific. And, you know, we realised what a quality player he is. But to, uh, to see that sort of game when he's 300s was, um, was very nice, really. Um, 
you know, the way he goes about his footy, he prepares very well. Uh, he leads from the front and, you know, I'm just really, really pleased that our players played a, a really solid game for him tonight and he got the um, the reward he was after. So, you know, he'll get back and hopefully play in front of uh, some family next week. He had a, I think he had his brother or two up here. Um, yeah, but we uh, we look forward to uh, letting him celebrate with his family first and foremost, but it'd be great to get some fans there at some stage, but probably not looking likely at this stage. It might be a little while before he plays in front of everybody, but if you were listening or watching at home, we were at Jack's shoulder last night. Oh, it was. It was terrific for him because he's a fantastic guy. We've loved his journey, haven't we, from the, the kid. He's, you know, self-admitted that he was a little bit maybe on the uh, erratic side in the early days. Maybe not erratic, but just, just maybe a little bit more self-centred than he is or the man he is today. So it's terrific. You, you love not just watching the players develop when you recruit them, but just watching them grow up as men over the course of time. Um, so for him, I've loved the journey of both. What I saw from Jack last night and what we are seeing throughout this year, and he sits second or third, I think, on the Coleman is – the footy smarts, and I, I saw this with Jared Ruffhead going back a few years ago, that you might lose your speed, but Jack still got a beautiful jump and he was allowed to run at the football and leap a handful of times last night, which was poor defence from the lines. But just that understanding of little bit pockets of space and not soaking up your space, and instead of it being a 20, 30-metre lead, which it once was for Jack Rowell, it's a three to four-metre lead. He just drops back in the skill level of teammates coming through the midfield, find him, and then ultimately you walk away with a performance last night. Six goals. I mean, it's an incredible feat on any day, let alone a man that's played 300 games and you've been doing it for 15 years. So it was just another nice moment. And it sort of adds to the story of Jack. You know, he kicks one in the, in the dying moments and everybody gets a moment to get around. It was just, it was nice. I think it was just a, a nice way to finish that, that period of 300 games. And ironically, what's great about him is he doesn't measure his game on goals anymore. But I thought he was an absolute beneficiary of Brisbane look a little bit weak in the D50, but also the Richmond getting the look of their game back. So that forward momentum game, forward handballs, you got great runners off half-back leper and getting it in there quickly. He was able to get out the back a few times with his footy IQ, Dale. Yeah, and Kane Lambert's addition, I think, back into that group's an important one. He is the one that gets sort of corridor side of the contest and links up. So he's always there to sort of stop a defensive play, but he's also there. He's that quick getting back forward. He's also there at the feet of the forwards as well. So he plays a really important role. And it's it, when you were talking about the game changing at half time, like Martin stepped up in the middle of the ground, but in the first two minutes of the game, Lambert was the one applying forward 50 pressure and he locked the ball in with a smother. And those sort of players, they know big moments in games that it's important to start well. When the game's on the line, they really step up and Lambert's definitely one of those. So how concerned to be for the Brisbane Lions? We'll deal with that shortly. And the spate of dangerous tackles that were there last night, player technique, is this is the the players are slow, I think, to to adapt to what the game is asking. And there's one in particular that, that Shea Bolton, it'll be really interesting to see what the game does with that particular tackle. But I, a set of those last night were called and it's become a, a major point of discussion. The COVID complications next. So we're going to touch base with Port Adelaide. We'll talk with St Kilda as this goes along. The round 19 and the round 20 fixtures are completely up in the air. It's a small miracle that round 18 is getting away the way things are with Melbourne and uh, then more broadly with the Victorian borders from each of the states at the moment. We'll do. We'll touch base with Port next, who I imagine are a little bit surprised to be in a state in lockdown this afternoon. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough, and for Red Rooster, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken, by Red Rooster, available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. For Red Rooster, Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, available at selected restaurants. New Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan.
The Saturday fixture was only confirmed last night. Those are the COVID times. And the first game to go is St Kilda and Port Adelaide, which went through, I imagine, a whole lot of iterations on a whiteboard somewhere as to where and when this game was going to be played. Port have flown in this morning to Melbourne. Chris Davies is the general manager of footy at Port. Chris, great to have you on Crunch Time. No worries. Thanks for having me. Are you a fraction surprised to be in Victoria today? <laughs> uh, look, a fraction surprised, but really pleased to be here now. And uh, and obviously, we've got a job to do ahead of us. How many variations do you reckon this went through in 48 hours? Well, look, I, I stopped at about the third one. I thought <laughs> um, at that point, I'll, I'll wait until the AFL actually confirm it. But I think it, it started, obviously, here uh, at night time, you know, then game time changed, then it might have been in Perth, then it might have been in Adelaide. So um, once we once we got to that point, I thought, no, I'll, I'll leave it. I'll wait for Rob Ald's um, call and um, and uh, we go from there. And here we are. What do you send to the players? Just sit tight, we'll be playing, but who knows where and when? Yeah, look, I tried to keep them updated during during the day just to make sure that they were aware of, of the different things that they had to get organised. Obviously, we've now got to go into, you know, two or three days lockdown when we get back to Adelaide. So, you know, they had to organise food for their houses and all that sort of stuff for when we get home. So, you know, we tried to keep them, you know, in the loop as much as we could. And then uh, last night, we obviously confirmed, uh, you know, probably at 8.30, um, you know, what our arrangements were going to be for this morning and, and for when they get home tonight. So can you just walk us through, how does it work, Chris, that the South Australian border became a, a 14-day quarantine to Victorians travelling or people travelling from Victoria? Under what conditions are you here and, and get home under? Yeah, so we've we've hopped straight off of the plane onto a bus. We're here at the ground now in one of the, um, just the, the corporate hospitality sort of rooms um, where the guys are, are relaxing around, some are sleeping, some are playing board games, cards, all, all of the things that you, I used to do when I was 12th man in rain delays and cricket. Um, so um, we're there. Obviously, we play the game, um, try not to come into contact with anyone uh, other than the St Kilda players. And then uh, after tonight, um, we've got to wait until all of the St Kilda players, who I think have had COVID tests this morning, come back negative before we can then uh, get onto the plane, head home. Once we get home, we've got to go straight onto the bus from the tarmac uh, and effectively in our cars straight home um, for 48 hours. Then we have a test after 48 hours. If they're all negative, then we can come out of um, our isolation. So um, it's, a, it's a decent process, but one that we've probably done three or four times now. So we're, we're not too bad at it. So there's a lot of work happening behind the scenes right now around round 19 and round 20. You're slated to play Friday night at home against Collingwood. Do you have any intel on the likelihood of that happening? No, look, no no specific intel other than to say that uh, obviously with the South Australian government taking the approach of, of getting teams out um, straight away after the game, that, that there'd have to be some level of uh, concern that that Friday night would go ahead unless they can organise um, the, uh, you know, uh, the lifting of the Adelaide Airport curfew, or um, you know, as we saw a few weeks back, Geelong got um, fogged in, didn't they? So, yeah. uh, you know, I guess there are a number of things up up in the air at the moment, and as you say, I'm sure that. Uh, there's a fair bit of work to go before they confirm what next week looks like now. So your time slots have tended to be twilight time slots for teams that have travelled and gone through the, the protocols into South Australia. Do, do you feel like it's probably more likely wherever that lands it's a twilight game? 
yeah, I mean, I think that, Jared, is probably the the thing that um, the AFL will be looking at is, as you say, they you know, we've had to have teams get out straight after the game, so probably doesn't lend itself to be a you know a, an evening game. So, yeah, but obviously we'll leave that to the AFL to sort out over the next little bit. If you were to hypothesise, how complicated do you think it all is right now? Uh, extremely complicated. Yeah. It, uh, you know, obviously, you know, the AFL um, staff are doing a, a fantastic job to try and keep the season up and going and, you know, talking to them regularly, you, you can, you know, you certainly feel for them. Um, so, look, I imagine that um, the next period of time will be tough and some pretty hard decisions are going to be have to be made as to as to what comes next. Is there any chance in your mind, Chris, of a, of a pause to try to get things in, in a workable shape? Well, you know, that obviously is ultimately a question for the AFL, but I think the, the challenge with that at the moment is, um, without wanting to use a cricket analogy, it's it's like you, you go off for rain and when do you come back yep. on? You know, you can't come back on until until everything's sorted. So I imagine that the AFL will take the approach of trying to bowl through in the short term, um, you know, where there's states, you know, if, if teams need to go to South Australia or if, or if uh, teams go to Queensland, wherever it is where we can get games away. I think that has been the approach of the AFL previously. But um, as I say, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what um, is going to happen in the future, to be honest. Chris Davies is the general manager of footy at Port Adelaide with us on Crunch Time. Nick Del Santo, Craig Jennings and Justin Lepich. Hey, Chris, we'll just get onto the, the footy field for a second now. One thing that really interests us as far as Port Adelaide, uh, the role of Aaliyah earlier last week. I see Tom Cleary's now out of the team. Peter Laddams has come in. Is that almost a concede that, that the ruck from the back of Aaliyah Aaliyah hasn't worked and it's a probably an omission that we, you need to sort of support that part of the ground? Oh, look, it's, it's an admission right now. Uh, if, you, if you go back to last week, um, the coaches believe that um, Charlie needed a bit of a chop out from a ruck perspective and, and um, Laddams probably you know, wasn't in the form that we would have liked to have seen for him to come back in and, and the guys wanted to also play Todd Marshall forward. Um, I think, as you said there, you know, last week probably didn't work and so... You know, we've taken the approach now with with a number of injuries that we've got is to to try and settle parts of the ground down and and Aaliyah has clearly been you know probably you know one of the better key defenders in the competition this year so we felt for this week you know it's important for him to go back um obviously Laddams comes in which provides that second ruck so I, I can't imagine that um Aaliyah's yep. going to have to do any ruck work today yeah, and and one thing I guess in the background, often what goes on in footy clubs and what you say around the change rooms, and us as media talk about something completely different. But we always talk about the record against the top eight teams. Is it something that ever gets broached, or is it at the point now that Ken does talk about it, or is it the sort of thing that you just completely ignore and say that's just media speak? We just focus on what we need to do. Yeah, it's really hard to to ignore. To be honest, you know, everyone is talking about it. So the reality is, is that. You know whether we choose to ignore it or not, the people are going to be talking about it. I think we what we've taken the approach of, and and Justin, you would know, having spent your time with Michael Voss, he he constantly talks about you know just playing the next opponent. You know we can't we can't lift our eyes because if we do, it's you know you take your eyes off of what you've got in front of you. So we've got to be able to do the job today um, against a team who you know have come come into some form and at a time where we're probably battling a little bit with injury and, and not playing our best footy. So um, rather than worrying about teams who uh, you know who we aren't playing this week, we're, we're certainly trying to take the approach of saying, 
well, let's get to kill the run today and and uh, whatever happens from there will happen. It's a great approach, Chris, and it's the most simplistic way to look at it because you can't look back. But what you must do is identify and analyse reasons that things have happened in the past. So as you get ready to play the Saints in a few hours' time, what are those areas that need to be improved from your opinion, whether they be the top eight teams, which you've just touched on, or a team outside the top eight? What's not quite clicking at the moment? Injuries are a part of it for a lot of clubs as well. But what on field isn't quite working that needs to be fixed straight away? Yeah, well, you know, if, you, if you take injuries, because you know, what we can't hide from is the fact that we have a fair bit of our forward line, the guys who we thought were going to help us be quite good this year, um, out of the team at the moment. And that high half forward role, as you guys would know, is actually a really important role um, for teams nowadays. So to not have you know Rosie Butters, um, Motlop this week, Robbie Gray, um, who have been able to go through those positions, I, I guess we've we've had to come up with another way of of trying to play the game whilst those guys are out. Um, clearly, you know between our wins and losses, contested possession is. One of the things I think we're, you know, we average plus 14, let's say, in, a, in games that we win and we're probably negative the same amount in the, in the games that we lose. So, yeah, we've got, we've got to be better around the contest. Um, and then, you know, our efficiency inside, you know, our forward 50 is something that, you know, we, we continue to, to want to get better because, you know, there's no point having um, forward entries if you're not going to make the most of them. And even in the game last week, we had, more than what Melbourne did, but clearly they were they were far more efficient than they actually got in there. So we've got to find an avenue to goal um, more regularly. There's no doubt about that. And, and our mids have got to screw up and um, and get the job done. Well, what's the diagnosis with Zach Butters this time around, Chris? Well, Zach, he's, he's got a stretch of that um, medial collateral ligament. Um, but, you know, I guess right now we're, we're trying to, treat the man rather than the scan. And, and you know, Zach is, is feeling pretty good. He actually, you know, got to the end of the week and, and was trying to get up to play. We, we decided to leave him out for this week, but I, I dare say, Jared, that he'll be pushing for selection um, for our next game, whenever that is. Oh, that, that's, um, yeah, that's so, really um, good to hear. Yeah. No, it's great because he's, he's a really important part of our group and, and obviously... Um, as I mentioned, with those guys who are out over the next few weeks, we start to get them back. I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant to suggest that we'll be in any better position because we have lost the number this year through to, through injury. But um, yeah, I think it is going to be important for our ultimate hopes this year to get you know Zach back, to get um, Dersma back playing some decent footy, to get Robbie back, to get Mott's back, you know, to get Connor playing well again. Um, you know, once he gets gets back into the team um, from injury as well is. It's going to be important for the, for the end of the season. Chris, great, great to catch up. What was your card game of choice? Uh, I was the king of Uno today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, undefeated so far. So I, I left the table to take this call. But, um, it'll be interesting to see I'm at the, if I'm at the head of the table when I get back there. Good stuff. Thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate it. Good on you guys. Chris, Chris Davies, the general manager of footy at Port Adelaide. So that's a picture of footy as it is right now. Into all sorts of restriction to get back into South Australia and then who knows what happens next. Yeah, we've heard a lot of um, rhetoric at times come out of coaches' mouths and things, but I've never heard treat the man rather than the scan. Is that medical mm. rhetoric that we're going to keep here? I loved it. Oh, that yeah. was really good. It's a, it's a very good... It's so true because often you see a scan, it's like, oh, well, you know, it's, it could be this, it could be that. But if he feels good, play him. Yeah. 
This is crunch time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, chicken available at selected restaurants. We'll come back to last night's events. What did it mean for Brisbane? What do they have to solve in the short term? And then we'll expand further on the COVID scenario as it uh, hits this competition with clearly round 19 and round 20 as it was released during the week. It's wishful thinking to think it's going to unfold like that. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. for Red Rooster. Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken, available at selected restaurants. New Navara at Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan. Life is increasingly complicated in round 18 of this AFL season for the Lions. Last night's loss, so that's two in a row. And their place in the top four is now anything but assured. They were, they've gone from fighting for top two and home ground rights come the start of the finals to warding off Port Adelaide and particularly Sydney who threatened to come storming home. Justin Lepage, what, what are Brisbane's issues to your eye? I guess every team has something that they've got to work on. Um, but I think for Brisbane to me, it's their... What is their ball movement if it's just not that contested style along down the line or Daniel Rich's amazing left foot, which breaks the zone open? They're, they seem to be their two methods. The rest of their back group are all pretty, I'd say pretty stodgy. I won't use any food analogies, but they're all pretty stodgy. Um, they, there's no real line breakers. There's no one really that can take off, run, sprint. Um, you've seen, like, we just already quickly spoke about Jaden Short last night, the addition of Daniel Rioli, who can break a line. Liam Baker's sort of done those roles in the past. So they sort of lack that guy that is gives them another offensive avenue through there. If they if their stoppage scoring also dries up, their contested scoring dries up. So that would be their work on for me. You always look at it from the prism of um, what does that football club want? What do they stand for? And their game style is often um, talked about in terms of they want to win the inside 50 count, the inside 50 different differential, which is really the inside 30 differential yep. for Brisbane, getting it as deep as possible um, and getting a good look at goal from there. So if they don't win the stoppages, if they don't win the centre bounce battle, which they do most weeks, it's their scoring profile. In fact, it's probably too far that way. What you're talking about, Leper, is they just – don't move the ball smoothly from that back half and they don't have those uh, players running past for a handball. So if they do lose the centre bounce, they do lose stoppage, the game's pretty hard for them to win until they can find some genuine line breakers off half back. And, and last night, they don't have Hitwood and they don't have Marcus Adams. Now, yeah. now, for all the things that Marcus Adams isn't, one thing he's good is just a good lockdown defender. And we saw last night with the key forwards of the Tigers having multiple options. You know, Chole kicks those four goals and Jack Rewald kicks six and Tom Lynch, not his best night, but still a three. So all of a sudden that dynamic and the domino effect is, well, therefore you have to play on someone different. All of a sudden you're just sort of just above your weight your weight uh, range where you go, oh, okay, I'm just a little bit out body here. Leicester I thought was okay last night, but ultimately walks away having six goals kicked on him. So the domino effect of all these players out. So they need to readjust. Their four line will look significantly different. Joe Danaher, who was brought in to complement this four line, is now just replacing Hipwood. Similar player, but got to yep. do it in a different way. One thing the way Brisbane generally set up their game, um, if you watch it from an aerial view, is is almost six 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 everywhere. We see from a centre square bounce, but if you see them at a stoppage, you'll have six mids, you'll have six forwards really holding their position and six backs playing one on one. A lot of other teams will slide a winger back or they'll bring a half forward up to create an extra number and, and try and do some tricks around the ball. That's probably the other thing that I think 
they may need to add to their coaching box is just a few little tricks, a few little things to maybe get players free. Because when you get a player free, that's when your offense can start because you've got a plus one somewhere around the ball, whether it's behind the ball, around the ball. But they, they need to, if the contested game isn't going, I think they've got to find another method to create some better ball movement. I think that's a, a, a great example of needing some really solid match day coaching. So, yes, 666. And last night in that third quarter, I think, did Richmond get a five-goal run on or they, they kicked yep. a bunch in a row and Brisbane weren't able to stop it? It's really difficult to stop a run-on when your game style is based on 666. The easiest way to stop a run-on is to start flooding back a little bit. And it can just be as simple as the ruck getting back, the two wingers, maybe an extra wing. You push the forwards up into the midfield. But just being able to stop that run-on against. So you keep that scoreboard in check now. If they could have kept that five-goal run-on to two or three, then Richmond, you know, they they don't get that... um, they know they're a chance to win and all their endorphins are pumping and away they yeah. go, they're hard to stop. So. Would Fags be in this situation last right now from last night but also the week before against the Saints where they got beaten again with that half-back situation that when it works, it looks brilliant. Virtual, rich, with ball in hand, they look fantastic. They've got their style. Would he be stewing over whether to find someone to be that runner-off halfback to give him that different look. And watching the game last night, and we spoke about it throughout the call, how do they generate some speed on the ball? How do they get some overlap run? Because it did look stagnant when the Tigers were able to set up their team defence, and they have slow ball movement. Mm. Now, they've got piercing kicks, as we've just touched on. Would he be wrestling with, okay, I need to find someone to play that role? Just in case, or do you stick to your system? Do you have to you stubbornly say, nah, this is not who we are? Well, that is a good question. You know, which way you're going to go about it. I think from them is that they're, they're a kicking team. You know, they're, they're the AFL 18 for handballs in the competition. So that probably gives us an indication how they're, they're not smooth. And Damien Harwick talked about connection. Richmond, the number one handball team, and they're a forward handball team. That relies on guys being really well connected in a really small space. Brisbane just don't do that. Yep. They look, to me, they look, and we saw examples of Mitch Robinson on the goal, goal line. He had a handball option, jams it on the boot really quick. You know, shine goal from Dusty. Yeah, things like that. Whereas other teams know how to sort of flick their way through by hands. They can see the shorter options. I think Brisbane need to evolve their game style to almost encourage a bit more of that first. Then we might see guys that can run with the ball. Because at the moment, because they just, they're a bit of a blasting team by foot. Um, we don't know whether they can do it or not. So it's just interesting to see if they change their, their training method to, to add a little bit of that. Because I think they need to do something to get... It's funny because you're always stressing as a coach. When you're on the bottom, you're stressing how to get to the eight. When you're, you know, around the eight, you're stressing how to get to the top four. And when you're in the top four, you're stressing how to win a premiership. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. It's the same thing. You're always stressing. It's just what about. But now Chris Fagan stresses about how do we get from third and fourth mm. to first and second. And this is when you need to now be in that refined stage. You're talking about the last 3%. So you're going to have to be creative. You can't just roll out and throw the same sort of thing and have one, potentially one ball movement style and go, that's enough to win us a flag. It's not enough. You need two or three methods. So they finish with Hawthorne, Gold Coast, Fremantle in the West, Collingwood and West Coast. That's at least the way the fixture's drawn at the moment. It does give them that chance. It'd be interesting. Can Port go past them today in victory and do the Swans draw level with them on games and then it becomes a, a run? They couldn't win it from outside the top four for me. No. Could, no. So that, so this is so everything hinges on the run in and making sure they anchor down fourth place. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And I think that, again, it comes down to the action, which will help them win the four points that we help them get yeah. to the finals. So it really goes down to game styling. Throughout the season, we'll be counting down the most unbelievable moments in footy history for Furphy Refreshing Ale. Unbelievable. We're in the phase of the top ten, and with Collingwood playing Carlton this weekend, it was impossible to ignore this moment.
Any credible list with the great moments of footy history has to have that high up. Jezelenko, you beauty. Furphy, unbelievable moments. Refreshing, a Furphy, refreshing ale, unbelievable. Um, we'll talk about just the COVID chaos that has been absorbed by players at the moment, what it's doing to their preparation, how it would have done Nick Del Santo's head in. <laughs> and Alicia, Mu- Alicia Mulling from Channel 9 has just posted at least three clubs in Queensland have players' staff in hard lockdown because they unknowingly visited Tier 1 sites in Victoria before flying north. One high-profile player among them. I wonder if this relates to the rugby on Tuesday night. We'll find out shortly. The award-winning Crunch Time. Crunch Time of round 18. This is a complicated time for the AFL, for the fixturing and for a number of clubs. Crunch Time is for the Western Werribee Auto Group. Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. Jared Waitley, Justin Lepich, Nick Del Santo and Craig Jennings with you. There's a lot of work happening behind the scenes at the moment to try to salvage a fixture for round 19 and round 20, given the 19 positive cases in Melbourne today on day two of lockdown. There's, it's wishful thinking to imagine that this is going to be a five-day lockdown. Borders are closed to Victoria. Teams have already been relocated. And Alicia Mulling from Channel 9 is uh, is reporting that there are players from multiple clubs who have been at Tier 1 sites unknowingly in Victoria who are now based in Queensland. Um, we've been given the two clubs. We're just checking with them at the moment, and at least one high-profile player. So Tier 1 means 14 days quarantine, no options. You get tested, but the negative doesn't matter at that stage. It's 14 days. Uh, I believe there were AFL players who might have attended the rugby match between Australia and France on Tuesday night, and portions of that have subsequently become Tier 1. So if I link two and two together, I think that's where we're headed. So there are players who are going to be unavailable for their clubs and unavailable for 14 days to add to all of this mix. It just keeps going, doesn't it? It Just when you feel like even off the back of yesterday, we we might at least be able to understand what's happening in the next couple of days. Then you get something like this. So we'll wait for confirmation. And instantly my mind, if they've crossed paths with a tier one side and they've therefore trained for the last handful of days, what does that mean for the remainder of those players? I think close contacts are tier two. And so there's all sorts of layers to it, but... Uh, I mentioned before it's a small miracle that round 18 has got away. We'll just hold back on that because round 18 isn't away yet. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> We're all just taking it's a moment. Every moment, every day, nothing nothing really shocks you now, does it? Um, I think there's going to come a time where you're going to jump on the plane thinking you're going to go be at Brisbane and then all of a sudden you rock up and you're in Adelaide. <laughs> oh, what's that? That's another church. Oh, we're in the wrong spot. It's just so weird this season and, and, and what it's going to be and – I guess the big thing is what it does down the line to the grand final and its timings and, and where it's going to be. Um, geez, it's a, it's a concern, isn't it? It's a little bit of club fatigue, isn't it? Because it's not just this year. This is the second year of it and you're stopping and starting and new rules all the time. So it's a real challenge. What do you think is easier? Last year when everyone knew where they were, they were in a hub, you knew you were away for 90 days or this, mm. this version of it where you just don't even know what 
is going to happen of any minute of any day. Well, last year, did you, you didn't know you were going away for 90 days, though. The initial conversation was about 30-odd, wasn't it? Oh, it was one of those ones. It's, it's a bit like this current lockdown now. I think I think the rumour was three days, yeah. uh, and then it was f- five. And I think all in the back of the mind, I think we're all thinking this isn't going to oh. be... This isn't going to be through a not four going, weeks. Not going through it last year. I think I'd prefer this year. At least at some stage you've been at home. And I've said this multiple times, and we'll have a bit of a chat about adjusting and what Port Adelaide are going through right now. But the players are the ones that I think adapt to this best. And I think the players, they're the ones that have always had challenges. And the conversations you have internally when the coaches put a little bit of a spin on it about this is just another opportunity for us to be better than the opposition. Now let's take and make the most of this and... Let's go ahead and play some football. So I think the players are the ones that can be flexible and understand that, you know, and it's a, a constant cycle. Play, recover, prepare. Just the, the location's constantly changing. But the mindset is always there from a player's perspective. Do you think the players now, now that they've lived all this and realised that oh, we can travel the same day and still play, we can, you know, have multiple games in a week, do you think now it just sort of opens up to, yeah, we can play Monday night footy, we can play Thursday night footy on a short turnaround. Do you think that's... As long as the AFL pay, PA ticket off, they're well, allowed to do but, it. But, well, they, they represent the players, yeah. so, and they'll ask the players. So do you think the players now go, well, if we only have one or two a year, that's fine. So it may open up something good for the long term. In the past, players love that um, the routine, and there's almost an OCD thing to some yeah. of the players. Like I remember Jordan Lewis, Brennan Goddard was another mm, one. Yep. They love their routine. But what we learn from world sport is you don't need perfect preparation to play well. So Cliff Mallett take, uh, tells some great stories out of the Olympics and um, people breaking world records off no sleep or being injured or sick on, on the day of performance. And there's a great example, I've forgotten the team, but an American college football team, I think it was, and they actually train um, disruption in the sense And what, what it looked like over there was the coaches didn't show up, but they had cameras everywhere in the facility to watch what players would do in that disrupted environment where the, the coaches didn't turn up to get players used to being able to perform or practice when things don't go their way. And you talked off air, Nick, about Jack Rewalt and his preparation yeah. still comes out and was best on ground. Well, it was a good performance, and I don't always recommend uh, Jack Rewalt's dietary um, <laughs> approach to his 300th game. Shall we hear what he I'd had to say? I'd love to hear it again. This was Jack. I had about three hours to get ready to come up here. Uh, the club said, make sure you get something to eat before you get on the plane. So I'm not going to lie, I ducked into the Maccas on the, at the airport to get something to eat. I had chicken wrap from there, and then last night about 1am was eating meatballs watching the Tour de France. So um, not the perfect preparation. I haven't had a lot of sleep, but um, just had the, the best week, mate. Well, there it is, kids. If you want to play 300 games to kick 700 goals, it's a diet of Maccas and meatballs. Uh, it's, a, it's a wrap, though. <laughs> if you look at the oh, – I mean, I've seen the killer jewels of McDonald's. Oh, there. I, I always look at that board and go, Big Mac, and now that they've got the killer jewels there, I'm like, oh, no. You'd be like, only one Big oh, Mac the for me today. That. I should really have the wrap. But, but what we are learning, and we can have a, a bit of a, a lighthearted joke about it, and instantly I think, how would I have handled that situation? I was very structured. Now, some would say superstitious, and maybe there was a little sprinkle of that, but I I used to do the same thing yeah. for pretty much 24 hours before that game started. Now, we didn't have the complexity and the variety of, obviously, COVID, but, I mean, we had a joke. I think it was Patrick Dangerfield we spoke to a few weeks ago, or a handful of weeks ago. He spoke about Isaac Smith when they went over to Adelaide. Reckons he bowled 60 overs yeah. in the change rooms. I'm like, 
that would do my head in. I could not be that sort of person or be around those people in the lead up to a game. I need to be. I'm, I'm in the little zone for a moment. Oh, imagine being around those superstitious people types. before the goal. Oh, that would be hard. I was reverse superstitious. Yeah. Yeah, and it was because of Craig Lambert. He, he was the sort of player, every time he played a good game, he'd bring up something new to add. So it started with the jocks, and then it started with a warm-up. <laughs> then it, by the end, he had about 80 things, and I was like, man, that dude's doing his head in. I'm never going to be like that. So if I played a good game, I made sure I did the opposite the week later because I just was like, right? oh, I didn't want to fall for that trap of being one of those blokes. Well, but Lemmy had a thousand things by then. It was ridiculous. I was a little bit like this. I'll share this one story, and I, I, I don't know why, but in a warm-up, I didn't touch any footballs and just for whatever I was doing. I thought, actually – Maybe there's a universe sort of thing here where if I don't touch it in the warm-up, therefore they add up into the game. And I must have played okay. So I thought, there's my new thing. I'm going to save all my touches for the two hours of football, not in the warm-up. So at North Melbourne, Ben Cunnington would sit there rolling balls at me while I was stretching on the ground. I'm dodging them and weaving. It was, it was like I was out of dodgeball. But they found a lot of amusement by trying to force me to ruin my pre-game routine. Very good. <laughs> You're all mad. Here. <laughs> it doesn't make sense looking back on it, I do admit. Uh, Alicia Mullings' initial report is being followed up. So she believes that uh, Andy McGrath, injured Essendon star, is one of the players who faces the hard lockdown period from a regraded Tier 1 site. Tom Morris has Essendon, North Melbourne and Sydney as the affected clubs. So one player and two staff at Essendon, one player in hard lockdown from North Melbourne and a staff member, an employee, uh, from the Sydney Swans, and at least a part of this relates to the, the rugby game at Amy Park on Tuesday night, which uh, portions of the ground have been regraded as Tier 1 sites. So there'll be questions around this as AFL players and staff had uh, been uh, instructed to step back into the very limited lifestyle, not leaving the house, etc., to minimise the risk. Um, going to the rugby would not represent minimising the risk. So I think there'll be, I know there's a degree of angst towards actions that have sort of led to the exposure. Now, what is the spin-off for that? North Melbourne and Essendon are due to play tomorrow in Queensland and, and Sydney and the Giants the same. So just remind me, just for my own knowledge, if they're Tier 1 and then they've gone and seen other players, what's those other players' protocol from there legally? So I think they become Tier 2, which is test, negative, okay. uh, isolate until that comes back. Gotcha, okay. Um, but the Tier 1 is non-negotiable. It's it's the 14 days regardless of testing. Mm. Um, so there are, there are yeah. multiple players and staff members from multiple clubs who are caught up as Tier 1, ex, uh, tier one site exposures uh, and they're out of business for the time being we're gearing up for a big day of footy for Dometic fuel your advantage your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware St Kilda are playing Port Adelaide so we touch base with Port Adelaide a little earlier on and, and St Kilda's itinerary I wonder what that is now so Simon Lethlene uh, from the Saints is with us hello Simon G'day Jared how you going I'm well you get the feeling that life's a bit complicated at the moment uh, yeah, things change every couple of hours. So um, try and do what our club site tells us to do and just live in the present and let uh, everything else unfold. It's, uh, yeah, there's far too much going on. The AFL guys do an unbelievable job. How many iterations of this game have you been through, do you reckon, over 48 hours? Uh, I reckon I've only told the players and staff about two of them, but there's been a fair few. Um, lots of it flows through to our West Coast game to make sure we can get to Perth in time to do six days in quarantine and all that sort of stuff. So... Yeah, it's probably the same for every team, though, I guess. Are you expecting to fly to Perth tomorrow? No, we're flying straight from here. So oh, we're, from we'll there. get this game. 
we'll get the game here and then we'll go straight to um, to the airport and fly out at about seven, I reckon. So we'll get to Perth at, uh, what's that, nine-ish and check in uh, for sort of hard quarantine the first night and then get down to Joondal up uh, tomorrow morning for, for six days down there. When, so the Bulldogs are the most recent team to go through this, does it create a... Um, are you sort of braced for it a little bit? That this is the this is the hardest road in footy at the moment. I suppose so, but um, it looks like the teams that have embraced it well have, have had a win over there, and you know, garnished you know some some galvanised the group and um, and got on with the job. I mean, every club's having to do something like this along the way, and um, did a stack of it last year, and it sort of suited us. So um, yeah, we just got to get on with it and uh, keep the comp rolling and, and try and keep momentum up and keep spirits up, but also keep growing, which has sort of been the flavour for the last four weeks for us. So has everybody brought their travel gear to the ground today? Yeah, told them to pack light like last time I we went to Queensland. So, um, yeah, we've uh, just got our, our carry-on bags and everyone's got their gear, the buses here, and we'll just um, keep motoring on from here. We're taking a, you know, a squad of 30 players, basically everyone that's sort of fit for selection, um, yeah, so everyone's going to be here and, and just keep motoring on from, from Marvel. Have you got any staff or players who can't go? Uh, yeah, staff-wise, yes. We had to, um, to be able to play this game against Port, we had to uh, self-isolate from from Thursday, which means we couldn't leave the house but for training or for an emergency, including our family. So there's a few a few staff that couldn't do that that are mainly in the medical area, so physio and doctors. So we've got a few that can't make it so we've got some um some of our second and third um employees in those slots uh and a few of the training trainer types but the rest of our coaching and um and key football staff uh are able to make it but you know not without um rejigging some things and also leaving you know partners to homeschool and everything else we all know about and I mean, obviously, last time around, there was tension around a, a couple of players in a very public conversation. Um, are all the players settled and able to go that you want to go? Yep, everyone's uh, everyone's on board that uh, is available for selection next week, which is good. Are you? Is everyone getting their heads around that this this Melbourne lockdown is likely to be longer than than five days, and what the implications of that might be? Uh, oh, look, I think. Um, Community-wise, I'm sure people are. I think given we've known we were heading off to Perth, we haven't had to think about Melbourne next week, I suppose, is the best way to put it. But, um, yeah, I mean, 19 tests um, is not usually conducive to a, to a Tuesday break in the cycle, but fingers crossed for everyone in Victoria that it is because um, uh, as compared to footballers and teams that can keep motoring along with very good management, there's lots of businesses and people and kids and community sport and stuff that's really suffering so I hope it's not the case. Simon Lethlin is the Chief Operating Officer at St Kilda with us on Crunch Time. Nick Del Santo, Justin Lepich, Craig Jennings. Well Lethers, good luck for today and then obviously getting over to the West and I think you play the Blues on the way back so we'll wait to see how that falls in a couple of weeks time. I just want to ask generically about the turn of form in the recent weeks, the Tigers and then the Lions away from home and there's been a lot of conversation about the, the review but if you could just say a couple of things regarding on-field, what the, has been the biggest change in the form and, and why the last couple of weeks have been so good for the club? Yeah, thanks, Dale. Look, yeah, look I mean, I think um, media and external parts of the, the industry love to talk about reviews and they love to catastrophise, you know, where clubs are at when they're out of form. And, um, 
you also leave yourself exposed when you do play poorly like we we had across the course of the first uh, part of the season and also, you know, two games on the road uh, in Sydney and Cairns. Um, we actually played pretty well against the Swans, against a pretty good side there and could have won but didn't um, and then had a, a poor result against the Crows. So that, that was that put us in the spotlight. But um, you know, we'd actually gone on the road there in not good enough form um, intending on spending the time there to work out where we were at. And we had a pretty good um, pretty good lens over the improvements we needed to make. Um, again, not in a catastrophic sense, but certainly understanding how far off um, a premiership team we were um, and the gaps we needed to fill there in how we operate and how we communicate and, and how we prepare and all sorts of areas. So that's not a short-term fix, but I think we've got a lens on how to improve them. I think we've started that process and you can probably see some of the the growth from um, from that understanding. But, you know, without sort of wanting to simplify it, it doesn't hurt to have um, Membry, Ross, Marshall, Ryder um, all come back into your team um, and also to get some growth out of some younger blokes in Burns and Mackenzie Dunstan playing well, um, Connolly getting a game, um, you know, and some some of the more older war horses like Webster sort of finding some form. So you can't shy away from the fact that you do play better when your best players are there with you. And you must be proud of a couple of individuals, but also the courage to move players to different positions. Brad Hill going the half-back line, Ben Long coming back into the team, but going back in the forward line. And just the, their output, I guess, over the last couple of weeks and how it has resulted in the wins. Yeah, Sinclair and Hill are in pretty good form across half-back. Um, I think it's been talked about a bit this year that the wing has evolved into a bit of a different structural position this year with um, you know those that can uh, run and position themselves well and also you know cover outlets and what whatnot which is I think where you're seeing the evolution of Mackenzie playing that role pretty well he's got a big tank uh, and maybe it was a not that it wasn't suiting Hilly but um, there's better spots for him right now I think the last two weeks he's had 25 and 30 stats at 100% efficiency which is his go um, so he's in good form and Sinclair has been too um, yeah I mean the, the team is is actually focusing on um, you know team first mentality more than perhaps we ever have, and you know some punters sort of talk about whether whether Butt was in good form, but you know since round eleven he's been number one pressure player in the comp, and that's what we want from him. Um, you know still he's been the, the highest rated player in the comp, so there's some guys in pretty good nick, um, but it's more about how the twenty two band together and get their jobs done, which is why we love how Dunstan's going. That's why we love how um, you know Mackenzie's playing and. I think Longy's GPS last week on his his speed and his endurance was the highest it's ever been at the club. And he's no different athlete. He's just, um, I think he knows his role better um, through all the work we've been doing as a group to, to improve ourselves. So there's lots of positives, but we're still a long way uh, from standing in the last day of September and we realise that, but we're heading, heading the right way. Yeah, Simon, it has, it has been a mixed year, as you mentioned, and you, you mentioned the Sydney game and the, the Adelaide game. You'd be 40 points. You'd be sitting there on seventh on the ladder, two games clear. A lot of the messaging coming out of St Kilda this season, as you said, been on and off the field. It's been a little bit mixed, but off the field as well. Andrew Bassett said our genuine window would more likely be 2022, not 21. Uh, are St Kilda going for it now, given that if you add the, St. Kilda, the Sydney and Adelaide games to that and the style and the way you've been playing the last month, is it is it this year for the Saints? Is it having a crack or is it like Andrew Bassett said, you're sort of moving more towards next year? I don't know. If, if we internally are focused on whether it's this year, I mean, I listened to you a couple of weeks ago, Leffel, when 
I reckon Dougal Howe was on talking about where we're at and I thought you summarised us pretty well. We're starting to work out that, you know, we're a hearty winter stew, I think you said, which is <laughs> we need to be blue colour and, and dig in deep and, and get on with things and try hard and work hard and work as a team and that's what we've been doing. The external noise and the, the commentary, you know, senior operators at the club have to give um, is part of the industry. Um, I think like anyone now, if you can find yourself a chance to get in the eight, we'll take it from there. Did it last year. We we got into the eight and 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 did okay in the finals. You know, the Tigers are back sniffing around the eight. If they get in, they'll be hard work. It feels like one of those years where if you can win four or five of these last six, you'll find a spot in there and take it from there. But uh, we've got to play Port first, who are a pretty good side. And if we can keep momentum going, um, we'll keep talking about the weeks that follow. But boring answer, mate. But we're not good enough to be talking about whether we're going to win it this year. We're, we're focusing much better now on who we're playing and, mm. and what our boys are going to do to win. Simon, Craig Jennings here. Um, I've learnt that you don't perform on-field without having a great off-field environment. So we've spoken a lot this morning around uh, the changes to the on-field in terms of personnel and game style. But what about off-field? What have you implemented in, in your environment, whether that's in the football department or club-wide that's um, supported the on-field performance? Um, you look, our off-field um, has changed a lot since sort of 2018 with obviously new senior coach, but you know new assistants in, um, in particular Brendan Laid uh, and Ruffy, who's part of the full program. Um, you know Ben Robbins, who's our club psych, David Rath, who oversees our, our coaching in our football program. So we've got really good people in place, in my view. Um, and one of the better medical teams in the comp. So that's that's all structured pretty well. I think um, what has been different in the last four weeks is probably with the work we did to sort of understand the gaps uh, between us and uh, premiership team, we all now maybe talk a more specific language around those areas of, you know, team first and, and competitiveness and, and communication, sort of three of the pillars that make good teams. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about, and Leopard would know, you know, when you look at premiership teams, you know, what, what do those three areas look like? And, and they're critical. I think we all now talk, review the game um, and review our training and how we go about things with that language, with that lens about how to get better. So that's given us a better focus, I reckon, as compared to um, as compared to maybe the start of the year. So how significant was it, Simon, to be proactive with the bridge the gap work rather than necessarily wait till the end of the season and then do your, do your soul searching then? Oh, I think probably pretty significant, Jared. I mean, we were under the spotlight, under the pump, as as you do get across the course of the year. And um, you know, as they said, we could have won those two games, but it probably would have papered over some cracks that meant we were never going to win a flag if we kept going the way we were going. I mean, maybe that's too, maybe that's too serious an appraisal too. But it's yeah, look, it's, there's no doubt it's helped us steer our course this year better. Um, I think mean, you've said a couple of times on 360 now, Jerry, we could have floundered away here and um, and had a miserable old time. But we, you know, we we got to work. We we wanted to work out um, what we all thought about where we were at, and often that can be a harsher assessment too when you do that. But it certainly made us realise we had some work to do. Um, and I've heard some commentary about, you know, people saying that the way we've talked about that meant that there was terrible discipline issues and terrible standards. It wasn't the case. It's just that we actually identified that those standards and, and levels of professionalism and communication and competitiveness weren't going to win us a flag. So um, we've, we've certainly turned the dial on all that, but um, we are not there yet. We're in ninth spot, um, about to play a team above us, and 
for the next few weeks, I think we've got fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth. So we'll know if we're good enough by then. One of the delightful developments has been Luke Dunstan's, um, I don't know whether it's a return to form or, or what it is, but he's been absolutely striking. He, does that change any contract discussions that were necessary to have? Oh, good on him. He's a good bloke, Luke Dunstan. He's tough. Um, he's a good person at the club, well-loved by the players. Good on him for um, for putting his career back on the trajectory that he's always wanted. Um, that's an opportunity that's arisen and been taken. Um, he's out of contract, you know, so a lot to people. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll talk to Luke at the right times about what next year looks like. But at the moment, a bit like uh, what I've said before about team first and competitiveness, um, Luke's got competitiveness completely ticked and he's, he's team first stuff at the moment by looking after the best player uh, for each club and also finding his own ball is, is why he's playing the footy years and um, no better test than trying to do that against Ollie Wines today. Yes. Um, two bulls cracking in at it uh, will be interesting. And so that's the evolution of Luke, that he's not just contested footy. He can go and do 45 stats at Sandy every week if he wants. But <laughs> getting getting 22 in, an, in a senior game and stopping their best player getting more uh, has been a really good focus for him and good on him. That's the way. That's the way. Hey, it, it appears that right across the competition, everyone's being asked to check with their players whether anyone was at the rugby on Tuesday night. Are, are you in that position? Have you checked with your group? Yeah, we certainly are. We um, we had one and, and he returned a, a negative test uh, about an hour ago. So all good, but um, probably a reminder for us all to tighten up our, our shackles a bit and um, leave the major events alone just for the minute. Did you, just in the tightened um, protocols, would you, would you have thought that there would be players and staff at the rugby on Tuesday night? Should that have been a no-go zone? Oh, look, I think in hindsight, the answer to that is, no, they shouldn't have. There was, um, you know, there's there's the protocols with which we all live under here, um, which have certainly tightened, you know, this week, you know, tightened such to the fact that we couldn't leave our houses for the last three days along with our families except to go to training the other day. So, yeah, it's a reminder to us all that, um, you know, one of, our, one of our football staff who can't make it you know, popped into Woolworths the other day, and he's now in 14-day isolation. So you can be oh, right. you can be stiff no matter how tight you are back yeah. down in the supermarket. So, you know, our key football IT guys not with us the next two weeks, and you guys step up and start putting the blue and white cords in the in the back of computers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> if you're if you're at home, if you're at home, Sam, we miss you. <laughs> uh, was your player? Is he playing today? Uh, no, he he okay. was one of uh, one of the non-selected guys, but. Um, yeah, which is which is handy. Yep, yep. Simon, thanks a lot for taking our call. Good luck for what's to come next, including the trip to Perth. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Chief Operating Officer of St Kilda, Simon Lethleen. That was for Dometic. Always stay relaxed and hydrated wherever your adventure takes you with Dometic's rugged drinkware. We'll get the latest on the COVID scenario unfolding on Crunch Time for the Nissan Navara Pro 4X at Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan and for Red Rooster, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster, available at Sickle. The award-winning Crunch Time. The COVID complications have flavoured the week and they are defining this Saturday in footy. There are 19 new cases in Victoria announced today. 18 were infectious while in the community. So that will send a shudder right through Melbourne and Victoria more broadly. The implications for the AFL. So it's a competition-wide search now for who was at the rugby 
on Tuesday night. Who's in the Tier 1 area? That's 14 days non-negotiable. Who's in the rest of the ground and the portions that are Tier 2, which requires the negative test and then back into things. Jared Waitley, Justin Leppich, Craig Jennings and Nick Del Santo in the studio. So we've had confirmation from St Kilda that they had a player who uh, has been caught up in it, has tested negative and is now released back into the community, as it were. Tom Morris is following every step of this at Fox Footy. Hello to you, Tom. Hello, Jared, Leopard, Geno, and who else is there? Dal, how Dal, are you guys? Yes, so it's a uh, an unwanted complication in a time where those who are involved with AFL clubs simply shouldn't have been at the rugby on Tuesday. Yeah, that's the advice from the clubs. And it's not just the rugby, I'm told, as well. Um, there are other, other uh, Tier 1 sites that have been regraded where people were at. So to just give you a bit of a rundown, Essendon has one player who isn't, wasn't playing this weekend anyway and two staff members. Sydney has four staff members and North Melbourne has a player who wasn't playing today as well who were all at Tier 1 sites. Um, when they left Victoria to Queensland, they weren't Tier 1 sites and they've been regraded and that's why those players and staff are isolating and hard quarantining now for 14 days regardless of whether they get a negative test or not. So how significant a complication is it? Uh, well, it could be more significant. It sounds ridiculous, but, you know, uh, I've confirmed with the clubs there's no senior coach. Um, I've confirmed with the clubs that there's no players that were meant to be playing this weekend. It hasn't impacted GWS or the Western Bulldogs um, or the Gold Coast, even though the Gold Coast have been up there for a while. So it could be a lot worse. It's a, probably a timely reminder. The fact that the Essendon player wasn't meant to be playing, the fact that the North Melbourne player wasn't meant to be playing, um, I'm not sure how significant the Sydney staff members are. I haven't been able to work out whether it's you know assistant coaches or... Um, administration employees, but it's probably just a good warning shot across the bows that these players and staff members need to be very careful and think before they go to these events because in retrospect, they at the time they were doing nothing wrong, but in retrospect, it potentially puts the whole competition at risk. When, I'm just trying to think, when during the week did the, the tighter restrictions come on players and staff? Uh, that was... Thursday, from my memory, Jared. Okay. That was Thursday. The protocols were introduced at midday on Thursday. So, yeah, so no no breaches, as it were, but perhaps just not reading the play on, on the things could get complicated quickly. That's right. I mean, the fact that the Wallabies are playing France at Amy Park, Amy Park in Melbourne is probably a good indication that things were going along pretty well and they thought they'd go along and watch some rugby. Um, but it just shows how quickly these things can change. So I've spoken to all the clubs and... I don't think there's any sort of benefit naming the staff or the players unless it's actually going to impact the game itself. But they're all pretty adamant that it's not going to impact the game. And I've spoken to the Giants and the Dogs, and they say they don't have anyone that has uh, been to those Tier 1 sites either. Tom, I know last year the AFL were, were thinking about toying with the idea of saying to everyone, just, you know, be in a mini lockdown for the whole of the AFL season. There's a lot of uproar from the players particularly about that. Do you think the AFL are going to push that now? Just to say, look, just for the end of the season, don't... Go anywhere but shopping. You go get your food, go do your things, but be a bit smarter with it. Yeah, yeah, Lepa, I think that's absolutely fair. I mean, it's sort of what happened last year. I think what I remember in Adelaide, there was an incident where a couple of Port Adelaide players had some friends over and had a bit of a party one night. I just think with six weeks to go in the home and away season, the AFL will come down a bit stronger now. And I think the AFL Players Association, after speaking to a few people this morning in there, are a bit more open to it now because they realise how tenuous this is. You know, it's right on a knife's edge. So I wouldn't be surprised if the league didn't... They don't want to restrict players completely, but I think there has to be some sort of acknowledgement that with six weeks to go, you almost need to shut your eyes and get to the finish line. And to do that, you need to make some sacrifices. And probably going out into public places like this is one of them. 
Do you want to spitball? So I've got a bit of information around round 19 and round 20, which it does. Those yep. rounds are clearly going to be recast. So this is the first time, other than West Coast and Richmond, which was brought forward from one previous round, uh, and then the, they flipped with their buy, essentially. This will be the first time there'll be deviation from the fixture, I sense. Is that, your, uh, is that how you're yep. reading the play? Yeah, that's my intel as well. I, I think... Whatever you see in the round 19 and round 20 fixture, you may as well put it to the very back of your mind or the very bottom of your, of your lowest draw and, and the AFL will start again. And that, that process has already started at AFL House, I'm told. So we'll hopefully know more today and tomorrow, but I sense that the round 19 fixture might not be completed for another few days as well. But there's so many variables here. I mean, and one, and one of them is, do we, want to, do we need to play nine games next weekend? I know you've spoken about that, Jared. I, I can't see a situation where the AFL just puts the whole league you know, on hold for a weekend. But I think there's every chance that we might only have five or six games next week, next weekend. Because what's the threshold of fairness and integrity? How many games can you have that were meant to be home games that are now away games like what Essendon's doing or out of the state? So it wouldn't surprise me if they completely just rip up round 19 and round 20, even change some fixtures around to make sure that we can get however many games are in the season away and do it in the best way possible. Tom, so just to understand that clearly, your understanding is that the AFL will not only change the location, the time for some of these games, but they might be against different opponents. And I haven't looked through it like I'm sure you and Jared have, but does that mean that there's teams still to this point that haven't played every other team in the competition? Yep. No, yeah, that's right. But uh, that, that is one of the options that's been considered. Uh, this is just speaking to someone at the AFL this morning, Dale. They have everything on the table. Mm. I can imagine Travis Old and, um, and, and the whole fixturing team just putting all these sheets and fixtures on the table and just starting again. That's what they're doing. So, yeah... Uh, I don't think anything is off limits at the moment. Imagine if some teams don't play another team for that entire year because they haven't done it to this point and then geographically and with border closures can't meet each other at the same point at some stage. Yeah, that I would be crazy. Yeah, I don't think like that. that is a totally undesirable. Yep, yep. So I think the starting point for 19 and 20 is to take the 18 games rather than 9-9 nine, nine and put the 18 games into a mix and go in what order could we play this game yes. to best navigate the border's as they are now, rather than... And, and there's more dramatic options, but I think that's the starting point. Could we, say, round 20 Brisbane Gold Coast? It probably makes more sense to get that away next weekend because there's no variables in there. Uh, the Essendon, Swans and Giants games can go ahead, get as many all-Victorian games against each other back in in this state and play whatever exists in round 19 and round 20. So see if you can get those 18 games away across two weeks, but not necessarily yes, as the nine, nine blocks yep, that's a good as point. they are now. And then there's sort of, you can run that through a little bit further is how much compromise is required before you float the idea of, do we need a, a safety blanket? Do we need a safeguard of a wild card playing fixture tournament at the end during the bye week because will 7, 8, 9 and 10 really have had a fair crack at sorting out their order or should we go, do you know what, there are so many compromises here that that we're going to, to do something to to address equality when equality is a luxury that we can't have. I think we're back in the mindset of we'll take whatever we can get at this stage. Yeah. You know, from what we, where we were on Tuesday and just going through that scenario with those players going to the rugby in hindsight, it's not a great decision, but at that time, you were allowed to go. So it's just a situation. But the way I feel right now is let's just do whatever we can to keep this thing moving. Tom, is is that everything? Yeah, just one more thing. So the player that 
uh, one player that went to the rugby uh, and is now okay is Rowan Marshall. So he is very lucky that he wasn't sitting anywhere near. He's not tier one, he's not tier two. I've got confirmation from St Kilda that he was at the rugby, but he's fine to play and there's no issues there. So it just shows how... I mean, it, it, you're really in the lap of the in the luck of the gods, aren't you? Like what, whatever, um, wherever you're sitting, is determined whether you can play this weekend and whether you are at a tier one site. So, Ron Marshall and the Saints are very lucky. These Essendon, North Melbourne, and Sydney staff and players, not so. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. The competition-wide search for who was at the rugby and where were they sitting? Tom, thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a great afternoon. Tom Morris, senior reporter at Fox Footy. That you can you can run this a long way through, or you can just go next weekend and the weekend after. But if we run it, if we run this to its end point, what's the threshold for the grand final at the MCG for a crowd? Say it's forty thousand. Yes, is that enough? Or full house in Perth, full house in Adelaide? Just in your own minds, as we spitball it. What do you reckon the threshold, the crowd threshold is to justify the the event that is the grand final at the G? Oh, full? Yeah, I think so. You, you want to get the best atmosphere, and that comes from a full crowd. It doesn't come from a half-empty crowd. I don't care if it's a – we've seen 20,000-seat stadiums in Tasmania, and when they get 10, it looks empty. I think it's a full crowd is really what you want to get – the atmosphere. So there's absolutely no chance of a full MCG for grand no. final day. No chance in the world now that we've seen community transmission at sporting events. I'm almost of the opinion now, with, with a month or so to go, is it just, do we go back to a hub for a month for the players? It's not a long period of time just to get to that week one, you get to that break in finals and then reassess because... I don't know. I feel like we just need to get to that end point, get to round 23 and play the game and go to one of the safest venues, which tends to be the really warm places, <laughs> Perth yep. Yep. and in, in Queensland somewhere or even NT. Uh, because we, we just – down here, we, we've proven as state we cannot do it. We cannot go four weeks without something happening, whether it's government control or not, or it's us as, as people. Um, some people probably blame each other in that, but the proof is we cannot do it. He's, so I'm worried about it's just going to keep on doing this unless we decide just for a month, hub it, just hub it somewhere. It's part of that playing football every day again, like last year, and going back to the PA, and you might have to have an extra five-day break to get this done. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's the case. I think I, it's all on the table. Yeah, again. I think it's all on the table. But yeah. I just look at history to determine your future. And again, we, we did really well. We had about two weeks. All oh, the games are going to be here. How good. You know, we're going to have a footy feast in Melbourne. I think we all knew in the back of our mind, I don't think this is going to last very long. Um, so, and you, it hasn't. With your comment about crowds, and you've you've been to sporting events all around the world, what if it's 40,000 at the MCG, but they're all on level one and level two and not spread out over 100,000 seats? I'm not not sure we'll (laughs) see that again after what happened on Sunday. I'm not sure we would see a tier closed at a ground again. We've sort of had a couple of examples where Geelong, they allowed 7,000 and they're all put in one section, which logically made no sense. And then we had 30,000 at the MCG. Uh, without the top tier being open. I just feel like now that we've lived through it, with especially the reticence of health authorities Mm. in this state, which they will say is now justified with community transmission at sporting events, I can't imagine we would not spread people out even further than they have spread uh, previously. You know why they don't spread them out, though? It's cost. I know, I know a Brisbane we used to pull Explain down. Explain that. Yeah, How well, does it cost it, well, any more to sit in a different seat? No, well, we did this at the Gabba. And I played in many low crowds <laughs> when I was coaching there. Don't worry. We were shutting down stands one at a time <laughs> at one point. 
But there was a whole back section behind the goals, and they said, no, we, we, everyone that had a ticket in there was moved because you don't have to staff that side of the ground. And all those costs, you don't have to put up another hot dog van. You don't, all those people don't make money on the way through, so you shut them down is that right? and put them into areas. So it's the only obvious way you don't want to spread them is because you have to staff the whole ground if you do what Jared's saying. So straight away, I'm thinking MCG's at risk. So if you're a team in the top four at the moment, Melbourne's the first one that comes to mind, Western Bulldogs. What ground do you want the grand final to be played at? And you're trying to get it there because we know different teams play well at different grounds. Yep. This is crunch time. Let's uh, check in and get our Bet Deluxe updates. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Paul Sebastiani. Paul, welcome. Very good afternoon to you, Jared and the crew. How are you? Well, set the AFL up for us today, if you would, Paul. We shall indeed, yeah. There's been a bit of a flip here in the market between uh, the... Are we – oh, so Paul's dropped out. We're still on air? We're still on air? Yes. Well, why don't we take our break now and see if we can re-establish Paul as we go. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. The award-winning Crunch Time. Bet Deluxe. Serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Who needs a rever? For Harley Heaven. The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The Harley Heaven rev up is a feature of crunch time for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. And this is a positive rev up, Nick Del Santo, for Jamara Hagen, who gets a second look at league footy. Which I love. I'm so glad he kept his position. In comes Aaron Norton. So now he's got the two key forwards with Josh Bruce and Aaron Norton beside him, who you think will take the Ballard and Collins matchup, which hopefully means that he'll get the lesser defender and someone maybe a little bit undersized so he can find his feet. We want him to do really well. We, we want to see this young man grow, and I'm so glad that he gets a second opportunity off the back of a quieter game last week, Jared. So we want to rev him up in a positive way. <laughs> All right, let's get back to Paul Sebastiani for Bet Deluxe. Paul, run us through the AFL. Let's go through it again. I think the Port Adelaide Spies were after me, Jared, uh, <laughs> after that call, because there's been there's been a big go for St Kilda in their their game here at Marvel Stadium. The Saints, they were even money at the start of the week. They're now the dollar seventy nine favourite. Port Adelaide two dollars and four cent outsiders. And the line here is set at three and a half. So the plus three and a half is a dollar ninety in favour of Port Adelaide, and the minus three and a half in favour of the Saints at a dollar ninety as well. First goal score as well. Charlie Dixon and Tim Membry, their favourite to get the first goal here. Dixon at seven bucks and Tim Membry at eight dollars in that game as well. And then the other head to head games, the dog is a dollar twenty four, Gold Coast three dollars and ninety five cent. And Melbourne, probably the unbackable favourites tonight, a dollar eight, and the Hawthorne, uh, Hawthorne, $8.10 in that game. And Flemington this afternoon, Paul? Yeah, Jamie Carr, she's got the dollar ninety-five favourite in the Flemington Cup, race eight, that's South Pacific. But there's been a good little each-way push for number seven in that race, Royal Crown. Mick Kent and Damien Thornton combine at seven bucks. And we've had a little each-way spec in the last at Flemington on number five, Literati. It's been $21 into $16, but the favourite in that race is the top weight, Foxy Frieda, at $3.30. So Jamie Carr looking like she's just going to continue on her merry way, racking up those Metro winners, Jared. Terrific. Thanks, Paul. Paul Sebastiani, Bet Deluxe, serious betting for serious punters. Download the new Bet Deluxe app today. Gamble responsibly, one 800 
858. So our last couple of of topics on crunch time. Before we'll open the lines, you'll be able to give us a ring on the open line, 1300 736 736 for Southern Phone. Switch to Southern Phone. Simplify your life with Southern Phone mobile plans. West Coast are probably front of mind this weekend. They have... They've burnt a lot of credits. They've tested any faith that was being held in them. They lose to the bottom team in Perth. Now they go and face Adelaide. So this is either restore things or teeter off into the distance. Yeah, I just want to know where it's going to come from, uh, from me from a West Coast perspective, when you're the last team in the competition for grand ball gets and your last competition in the competition for pressure. That's you know, a lot of the games played and starts on the ground and the, with that ball rolling around. So they've either got to have a change of attitude or a change of style to fix that. Um, I'm really worried that they it's, it's both. The personnel can't quite get that job done um, and they're so entrenched in the way they play. It's going to be hard for them to change quickly. So interested to see. He's been under a bit of heat, Simo, with his game style. But three years ago, we were lauding at, you know, the intercept mark and spread ability. So, um, but it happens over time. Teams work you out a little bit. Yeah, the, the game you have to adjust all the time. You've spoke before on this program, Leper, that Richmond changed their game style three different times in subtle ways to win those premierships. But what I would like to see from West Coast, I'm okay if you want to play a kick-mark game and, and you don't emphasise tackling as part of your game style. But when you get an opportunity to tackle, you need mm. to really stick them and there's just too many one-handed, one-armed, flimsy tackles for mine. And I think tackles and, and you talked about ground balls, how hard you hit a 50-50 contest – they send a message to the opposition that you're going to be hard to beat today, and I'm just not seeing that with West Coast. Well, this is 8th versus 16th on the ladder, so you would probably come to this game expecting the Eagles to have a comfortable in. I think they're in the situation right now where any win is okay. You, you look at where they sit on the ladder. They're in 8th position. They win this game. They'll go to 7. They'll replace the Tigers off their good win last night, but I just think they need to have just a tangible result, and off the back of that poor last quarter last week, and the Kangas were brilliant. I mean, that's another whole story how good they were in that last quarter in the wet. For a West Coast perspective, just get the win today, and then let's just keep building from there because they're still right in the hunt. I mean, they've been poor over the last few weeks. We understand that. But they're still in that crux of that real cluttered up uh, bottom end of the top eight. So get the win today and just keep building from here. The advantage they've got, Adam Simpson's got a high football IQ, so everything we're talking about, he'll understand, but it's about getting away from whatever your coaching philosophy has been for a long time, Leper, yeah. and, and being able to adapt that. But, um, yeah, we, we need to see it. We expect more from a big football club like them. What happens if they don't win it? Yeah. That, that's the yep. big question. I don't think even Kingy could defend them <laughs> if they lose to the Crows this week. It's going to yeah, be... they've had a bad trot. Yeah, no, it, it is. It's, and it's interesting because they're a bit like Richmond. That we're thinking they're getting the worst. Maybe we'll see their best like yeah. we did with the Tigers. The St Kilda-Port Adelaide game's been brought forward from tonight to in about 50-odd minutes. Who you got in this game, Jeno? I like, so I go with the form. So St Kilda are the form team, so I'll get behind them. Even though I've loved Port Adelaide, we were talking earlier, Dale, I've loved Port Adelaide for years and years, but St Kilda have got a formula for winning now, and so they've built belief, so they should be able to get it done. Yeah, Saints, they need this. You know, yeah. They've got a really tough run for the remainder of this football season as it currently stands, and that fixture may be changing, but uh, this, is, uh, this is a must win for them. We talked about them being the nice warm. She was Simon Leffley and did anyway. <laughs> but so the, the percentage-wise, the last four weeks, 150%. You think that's amazing. You think about their scoring. But it's actually 75 points for and 48 against. Defense. So it's, it's, it's all defence. And the, they're not scoring a lot. But also, it's more on the built off the back of their contest and defence. They've played a few wetter-type games in that as well. But I, I'm loving that. That's, that's, the, that's the warm stew. <laughs> right there. You don't have to be brilliant offensively, but you're damn good defensively. Mm. And it's really hard for the opposition. 
if if St Kilda knew they were hearty stew, the question looms so heavily. Does Sam Mitchell know he's seafood linguine? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would have thought? It's still good Why? though, Jared. And we're encouraging him to continue with these food analogies. Well played, sir. Well, you know, so sometimes you do pick it, but you know, I prefer the porterhouse every now and again. 1-300-736-736 on what has become an eventful Saturday. The events of the weekend so far, Geelong powerful over in the West and Richmond put a few things right last night. And even if you just want to salute Jack Revolt after a phenomenal 300th game, one 736 before we turn all our energies towards St Kilda and Port Adelaide with much at stake. The Southern Phone open line is there for you now. one 736 Justin Lepich, Nick Del Santo, Craig Jennings, thank you. Thanks, Jared. Thanks, dude. The round 18 edition of Crunch Time. There's a lot. It is complicated. Our season is taking a divergence yet again. Crunch Time is for Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.